Welcome to Fangirl Happy Hour for Thursday, May 21st, 2015. Recently, Marvel's Agent Carter was renewed for a second season, and immediately a Twitter hashtag called Diversify Agent Carter was created to push for better representation in the next season. Part of this movement was viewed from the very beginning by uh, our guest today, Ira. Hey, Ira. Hello. Hey, Anna. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. So we're here to talk about this hashtag, this Diversify Agent Carter hashtag that cropped up right after the announcement of the second season of Agent Carter came, which we're all excited about, right? Yay, Agent Carter. Yes. Yes. Very excited. So, Ira, since you were on the ground, as it were, part of the very beginning of the hashtag, you you were involved in the hashtag as it grew and changed, you made a Tumblr post, which now has zillions of (laughs) notes, like collecting some of the amazing things people were posting on Twitter. So can you explain the hashtag to us, how it's changed, how it's doing now? Well, the hashtag's reason for existence is um, one of the major criticisms of the first season of Agent Carter is that it was very white, very straight. Um, And it did have uh, one character with a disability on it, but... Uh, seeing as this is a post-war setting, there definitely could have been more. So the the probably the biggest criticism came from the racial angle, since it was set in New York. And that's an incredibly diverse city. It, it always has been. The show was just very, very white. This has been, you know, the major criticism. And now that we have season two, a user, uh, a user on Twitter called Carnithia started a hashtag to try and convince the showrunners that uh, the next season needed to be different. Um, So immediately people started filling this hashtag with examples, lots of pictures of people of color uh, in the post-war New York setting, uh, both civilian and um, military or ex-military or serving in intelligence agencies, all kinds of stuff like that. So the hashtag was going really strong for a while with lots of stuff related to New York. It spawned a bunch of articles in various places like Racialicious and uh, Boing Boing and um, the Mary Sue just Playboy actually did one. And then we learned that the show was actually going to be set in uh, in L.A. for the second season. So then the focus of the hashtag changed to, you know, the L.A. setting. And throughout, we um, a lot of people had been tweeting at Haley Atwell and the, uh, the show writers uh, to try to get their attention. And um, they've actually responded in some minor ways, and Haley in particular uh, has been very supportive of the hashtag. And the latest piece of news that uh, revived the hashtag for a bit since it was like slowing down for a little bit, and then Haley said that diversity actually came up when they were discussing the show, and it didn't even come from her. So the showrunners were aware, and um, I think that's in part due to the hashtag and the amount of attention it got. So you actually tweeted at one of the writers correct yes i tweeted at uh tara butters and she favorited my tweet so i know she got it and she paid attention to it you on twitter going going out and poking yes i'm uh i'm pretty shameless about that i will tweet right at right at whoever uh, meanwhile i have a nervous breakdown when i even think about (laughs) tweeting at an author that doesn't follow me no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I tweeted one. I tweeted at her, and she uh, she got it. She favorited it, and I'm hoping she's thinking about it and talking with uh, the other showrunners. 
Um, but Haley Atwell has been really supportive. A lot of people tweeted at her. She retweeted at least one of the Diversify Agent Carter tweets to show her support. And she was actually at a con uh, when the tag was exploding. And some of the first questions she got were about the tag and about diversity in the show. So people were also reporting into the tag live from the con what Haley Atwell's responses were. Wow, that's pretty cool. It's really interesting how these things work these days, right? So you can see change and people get involved with these things online. And it's it's admirable and brave and, and amazing that you have all of this development and you can see just things growing and then possibly affecting change. And, you know, it's like there will be people that say, oh, it's only a TV show, Right. But it's not really only a TV show. It's part of everything. Yeah, and I mean, it's especially... It's a TV show that explicitly deals with misogyny. Like, it's yes. got, you know, a, a, a pretty heavy theme there. And it's it's disingenuous to only deal with sexism when it's directed at, you know, a, a privileged white woman. It's just completely not intersectional right now. And actually, one of the things that's so interesting about the hashtag is that... It's coming from inside the fandom. Like, this is not people from outside the show criticizing it. This was just about entirely people who already love the show and want to make it better. Exactly. That's that's what it makes admirable, I think. One of the things that makes it admirable. That, that involvement that with something that you love so much and you just want to see its growth and, and, and it becomes better. I didn't see a lot of the hashtag... Um, I think I was late catching up uh, with it. Um, I did retweet a couple of things. I think I was, I don't know what was happening, but I, I didn't follow it um, as closely as I would have in other circumstances. But I did um, see some posts on Tumblr and I reblogged them and I retweeted retweeted quite a few things as well once I realized what was happening. And then I saw her, uh, Haley's uh, tweet about the um, the writers bringing it up. So, yeah. So you talked about the hashtag changing when we found out that it was moving from New York to L.A. When you say it changed and different things were coming up, like what kind of history were people pulling at that point? How Like what kind of representation what we're talking about did that did the type of representation change um yeah there was more focus on uh latina and latino uh historical figures or uh, and movements um let me see if i can look at my tweets here i've i've reblogged so many of these things i keep adding to my post like for example someone was tweeting about uh the beginning of the uh chicano uh chicano rights movement uh in the 40s but the hashtag has still pretty steadily been um, including a lot of service members, uh, you know, military and ex-military types. So that part hasn't changed too much. But um, since L.A. has or had a different racial landscape from New York, you know, still diverse. If you had an all-white L.A., it would still be really weird. Don't do that show. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely don't do that. Yeah, but it's it's definitely changed in terms of what ethnicities are being focused on. I think there was also more of a focus on um, Asian Americans. There's a huge uh, percentage of Japanese and Chinese in LA, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's 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 just especially 
historically revel- relevant because you know of the ho- of the horrible things that were done to Asian Americans in the United States during that time period. You know the the camps and such, and yes. this um, like the the prejudice was actually addressed obliquely in the first Captain America movie for one of the Howling Commandos. And uh, there have been a couple of Asian American characters on Agent Carter, but they haven't been treated very well. In particular, actually, uh, there was some Asian American characters that I don't know if most people remember, but they were part of Thompson's backstory. The uh, the Japanese people that he killed that were actually surrendering. Oh, um, yes, it's true. Yeah, and like this, this story isn't about them. It's all about him. And, and his pain, yes. Yeah, and his pain, not about, you know, the Asian people he killed. Yes. So, yeah, there, there's definitely been more of that in the tag. So, yeah, it did, it did change a bit from, from New York to Los Angeles. There's, in New York, there was especially a huge outpouring of images of African Americans, which was really cool. Because um, you, you just don't, don't see enough of that in history books. It's all glossed over and whitewashed, you know. And uh, then we've had a, a bit of a different landscape in Los Angeles. Yeah, because sometimes we just, the, the impression that I get, I'm not American, of course, um, I live outside the United States. I don't, I don't live there. Um, so the impression that I get from watching or reading things is that you have slavery and then you have the civil rights movement in the 60s. And in between, there is like silence. And we know that that's not obviously not true to reality. And I think that hashtag is helping bringing up more things to the foreground. Oh, yeah. People have been really excited to see all this history. Like, um, I know in Tumblr reblogs, I've looked at some of the stuff people have added. And, you know, they were saying, like, wow, I wish this was taught in history class. Or I'm going to use this for my classes, like people who are teachers. Um, and there's been a lot of something very interesting about the hashtag is that people have been including a lot of, you know, historical figures, like people with Wikipedia pages and stuff. But people have also been sharing a lot of family history, personal history, um, which is so cool. There's like so many people coming out and saying, you know, yeah, my uh, my grandpa did this or my great grandmother was, you know, an, an Arab detective is really. Yeah, really that's the one that I was just thinking about. Yeah. I think that was the first one that I saw. It was by um, that uh, science fiction fantasy author Saladin Ahmed, wasn't it? That yep. tweet. Yeah. Yeah, he that was, was really that active was pretty, in the hashtag. That was pretty cool, actually, that bit of history there. Mm-hmm. And people have kept adding to it on Tumblr. It's a little harder to see on Tumblr, but just going through some of the stuff people have added, um, you know, there's been a lot of people with uh, Native American heritage who've talked about what their family members were doing at the time period. It's just, it's been really cool and really, really personal. So we've talked about the racial aspect, but I think there's also the queer aspect, too. Oh, that's yes. That's come up several times. I've seen some tweets about that. Have you seen tweets and Tumblr posts talking about queer inclusion on the show? Especially since now it's moving to L.A. And a lot, I know a lot of fans are really pushing the Peggy and Angie ship, which also yes. Kaylee Atwell's also a fan of, which I find yes, super cute. Yes, she is all, all aboard for that, which is really great. Um, yes, people have also been tweeting tweeting about that. I think the focus on race was just because it was one of the biggest criticisms. Um, yeah, absolutely, it's very important of the show. But there there are, have been tweets about more queer inclusion as well. 
and like people pointing out also historical uh, historical queer figures and stuff like that. There was one of the early ones that I included in in my uh, Tumblr post was someone pointed out like an entire book about you know gay men and women in World War II uh, that's called Coming Out Under Fire. So there's just there's plenty of stories that could be included and people there was um, in season one there was some I did a post about this some pushback against heteronormativity both with Peggy and Angie and a little bit with Howard Stark too. Right, so because there's... at the end of season one, there's a, there's a scene where Peggy and Howard are talking about how much they love Steve, and a lot of people read the commentary by Howard as it was about it was a bisexual reading, right? That's where a lot of people got yeah. out of it. Yeah, my my reading is just that it's not heteronormative. I love the bisexual reading, and I really, really, really want it to be true. Um, but my overall reading is more that it's just pushback against heteronormativity because it does transgress against what kind of, what's acceptable for men to feel about each other and how to talk about each other and their feelings. So it, it definitely pushes back against that. But I want bisexual Howard Stark so much. I want bisexual Ugh. Peggy Carter. Uh, who doesn't? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> like, nobody on this podcast. <laughs> what are our hopes? We know it's moving to LA. We don't know who else is going to be on the show yet. We assume that probably the that probably Howard and Jarvis and maybe yeah. Angie, since L.A., she could go to yeah. L.A. So yeah, we, because she wants to be an artist, right? Yeah. Artist. So yeah. what? Based on like what we know, like what do we, what do we, what do we each want from the new season? Anna, what do you want from the next season? Well, the obvious, which is what we are talking about. I don't know, but I just think I want more of the same, but just with more diversity. I was so pleased with the first season. I would be glad with that. Maybe there are things that I want less of, which would be less of Howard Stark is destroying the world, let's stop him or let's save him or whatever. I would rather have the story be focused on something else. Hopefully they will move away from from the Starks. But it's not going to happen, right? Because we have Jarvis and then we have um, S.H.I.E.L.D. and he's an intrinsic part of it. Well, I think it would be neat if Stark just became Peggy's mad scientist, giving her cool toys. <laughs> that would be, I would be okay with that. That would be nice. Like if he had kind of like a well, scene role. Yeah, like, yeah, James Bond kind of feel. Yeah. Okay. So, Ira, what about you? What What are you hoping for for the second season? I think it would be nice for Peggy to be around more women, especially women of color. I, I think they've been hesitant about it because they're focusing so much on her struggle as a woman and how, how alone she is. But I think there would be real power in showing someone else going through, you know, similar trials as Peggy and, you know, how uh, how hard she had to fight and how hard anyone in her position would have to fight. So I'd really like for her to know more women. For a show that deals with sexism, I feel like it could actually have a lot more women in it. Um, especially women of color. And I'd really, really like, especially with the new location, for the show to deal with what happened with uh, Japanese Americans um, and Asian Americans in general uh, during and after World War II. Well, my fear with that storyline, I would love for that to be shown and and explored in the show as well. But my fear with that storyline is that they might then use that as motivation for a villain, for an Asian villain, for example. And, you know, that, it could, it that could... would be really tone deaf. 
Yes, so exactly. So like, yeah, let's bring the history and just let's just make them a villain. I don't know, because that's how Hollywood works sometimes. But I that think all be, villains should be white yeah. dudes. Yes, Forever. absolutely. Just yeah. make all the villains, but just make all the villains white dudes and they'll be fine. Uh, what you were said about um, more girls. Actually, this is one of this was one of the things that I was disappointed about in the first season because when Peggy moved uh, into that building full of women, I just like saw and expected the whole thing to develop with all of those female characters, and then they have like pajama parties and you know all sorts <laughs> of awesome things, and nothing like that happened. I was so disappointed. Yeah, I think it's like they're afraid of diluting Peggy with, you know, too many women, like especially too many ex-military or intelligence women. But I I don't think that that would necessarily happen. I think it would actually add and reinforce to the themes in in the show. I agree. What about you, Renee? What do you want from... Well, my favorite parts of the first season were when Peggy was working with the Howling Commandos. I really liked... I really liked... Because they were her Helen Commandos. She called them up. She got them there. It just felt really nice because it just felt like her stepping into the place Steve left behind. He was their leader. And then she stepped in and became their leader too. And I would really, really like to see more of that. Especially with the Helen Commandos who weren't white. I think that would be a really nice and easy way to both include more diversity and to like nod at existing canon from the Captain America movies. Yeah. Yeah. And from the comics. Because in the comics, Peggy marries one of the Howling Commandos. Or yes. is, is romantically involved with one of the Howling it's Commandos. G- it's Gabe Jones, right? Yep. And that hasn't really been addressed in the MCU so far. We know that Trip from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, his, gran- his, his grandpa was a Howling Commando. Yeah. So I would like... I don't know. Obviously, I don't think they're going to do any sort of crossovers with that. But... You know, they've they've kind of planted the seeds. They could take it in interesting directions, but the question is, what will they do? Because it's all up in the air now. They have to go and they have to make it. Yeah. And so we're going to be waiting in probably until January of next year, because I imagine that's when they'll put it out. Yeah, that makes sense, right? That's, yeah, that's really, but, but that's yeah. really what I, I want to see. I want to see more with the Helen Commandos, because I just really like Peggy in charge of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was super cool. Yeah, I love do that. Do as Peggy says. So yeah. good. So good for me. And it was a nice break too, just to see some people really respecting her and giving her her due. So we'll include some of the links or all of the links, maybe. Ira, you can just give us all the links that you have. Oh, I have several. And we can just we'll just include them all in the show notes. Then everybody can go and dig into like so much so much history. It's like a history course, mini yeah, history and- course. Uh, the history, it's its cool because the history is not just, you know, real history from the war and post-war era, but also comics history. Um, there was a, one of the most recent uh, Diversified and Carter tweets right now was actually about comic book fans of color and how they've been erased from history, too. So it's its a really nice intersection of, you know, kind of kind of meta of what we're going for here. So there's a lot of comics history, a lot of comic book characters who could be brought in as well as a lot of real historical figures. So I'm I'm pretty excited. The links have a lot of stuff to, to look at. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on and talking about this with us. It's been really fascinating to, to learn about. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming. And thanks for talking with me, Anna. 
Thank you, Renee. The show is Marvel's Agent Carter, and the Twitter tag is called Diversify Agent Carter. You'll find links to some of the things we discussed today in our show notes at fangirlhappyhour.com. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com, find us at fangirlhappyhour on both Tumblr and Facebook, and chat with us on Twitter at fangirlpodcast. For both myself and Anna and our special guest, Ira, thanks for listening. See you next episode. <laughs>